want to welcome those of you that are joining us online as well. We're so very glad that you are. Uh, before we get started, I want to provide you with an update on our Maui missions support, uh, starting with a text from Brother Mike Lau on the remaining containers. Uh, for the benefit of those who may not know about these amazing stevedores that we have on the waterfront, who I want to give another shout out to. Uh, amazing guys and brothers in the Lord, and God has and is using these brothers in a mighty way to make a way to get supplies to those with the greatest needs. So here's the latest update from Brother Mike. Aloha JD, the last batch of seven 40-foot containers were shipped to and have already arrived on Maui. We are grateful for the outpouring of love by the amount of supplies dispersed in the last month. God has been so faithful, as He always is. This is the last of the 50-plus containers that we shipped over the last two months. That's a miracle. Uh, and uh, almost to the day, by the way, when this happened back on Tuesday, August 8th. Isn't that today's date? Yeah. I sure hope it is, because it's su a Sunday morning service. So I know it's too early for that. So. Uh, please thank everyone for all their prayers, for the Lord's guidance and discernment. And please continue to pray for the people of Maui. Also last week I updated everyone on Perry and Lori Allen. As many of you know, Lori went home to be with the Lord a week ago on Friday after succumbing to burns over 70% of her body. Uh, we've come alongside Calvary Chapel Westside and Pastor Steve Santos there in Lahaina and are providing financial support to Perry, who is still here on Oahu. Uh, we're also continuing, by the way, with the meal train for Perry while he's here on Oahu. And if you're interested in helping with the meals, we do have the flyers back out there out front. Uh, by the way, for those of you online, we did provide a link. Uh, you can do a, a, they call it DoorDash, right? And uh, they have all kinds of stuff now. I don't get out much. Uber Eats, is that one? Anyway, that's enough of that. Uh, but actually, you can do it that way as well uh, during this time, this most difficult time. Um, lastly, please pray for our efforts in replacing cars for those who lost their vehicles, of which there are many, by the way. Uh, while our plans to do this on a larger scale have proven to be infinitely more complicated. Um, on a smaller scale, we were able to replace another vehicle for a family on Friday. I think they take delivery either tomorrow or Tuesday. And this by way of an arrangement with a brother in Christ, Danny Asao of the Jim Falk Automotive Group there on Maui. And so we are moving forward to get vehicles to those who need them the most, and we would certainly covet your prayers in that regard. All right, let's get started. Boy, we got a lot to get to today. Uh, this is our first service. We have two services on Sunday morning. The first service is the prophecy update. Second service is the sermon. Our verse, 
by verse study through the Word of God. We're currently in 1 John, and today's text will be chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. It'll be live streamed at 11.15 a.m. Hawaii time, for those of you online. And what we're going to do today in our text today is look at a problem that we all deal with concerning the matter of whether I'm the one who has been wronged, or if I'm the one who has been wrong. Okay, I'm going to leave it right there. It's again, still too early. I get it. Um, by way of a friendly reminder for those of you that are watching by way of Facebook or YouTube, we would encourage you to go directly to the website, jdfrog.org. There you will find the uncensored, uninterrupted entirety of today's update as the first part only is going to be live streamed on those platforms. Okay. Um, a while back, I came across this saying. You see it on the screen. <laughs> when conspiracy theories become spoiler alerts. And it kind of stuck with me. It's one of those double takes, you know, you look at it and you just go, oh, well, this was one of those. So I've been doing these weekly prophecy updates since 2006, actually, some 17 years ago now. But it was really within the last three and a half years or so that I've had my prophetic eyes opened, as it were. Like many of you, the many changes, though dizzying and even in some cases puzzling at times, have served as a much needed reminder of the swiftness with which Bible prophecy is coming to pass. And such is the case today. Doubtless you've heard about the breaking news about Israel and what's happening in Israel on this, by the way, the 50-year anniversary of the Yom Kippur War on October 7th of 1973. As I did my best to stay abreast of the fast-moving developments, I inquired of the Lord concerning today's update, which you have to understand, I usually start the updates as early as Tuesday, because I need that amount amount of time. Uh, it actually, uh, I hope this doesn't come off wrong. I, uh, I'm not looking for pity. I'm looking for prayer. That's my, okay. It takes me about four days to do one update uh, from front to finish. So I usually get started, actually sometimes earlier, it depends. <laughs> and so uh, I'd already started the process of preparing for today's update on Tuesday. Uh, fast forward to today, after we either went to bed on Friday and or woke up yesterday to what is arguably one of the most, if not the most, prophetically significant development in decades. My first inclination was to shelve today's update. I've only done that, as I recall, over the years, maybe once, maybe twice, where I preempted an update because of developments. Well, I was going to do that, and I was going to do it under the banner of what's happened 
and is happening in Israel, rising to the level of preempting what I was planning to talk about today. Then, late last night and early this morning, <laughs> I say that um, anyway. Uh, let's just say I didn't get very much sleep, so you have to be gracious to me today, okay? But late last night, because you have to understand it's 12 hours ahead in Israel. It's a little after 9 p.m. in wow. Israel right now. So late last night, early this morning, more disturbing reports surfaced, raising infinitely more questions than there are answers for. And as such, I I mean, God, as only He can, made it so clear that a fool could not err thereof. It became very clear that today's update is actually more applicable, given the nature of these aforementioned reports, namely that of these so-called conspiracy theories surrounding the unprecedented butchering of Israeli civilians by Hamas, who had unfettered access to Israel's residential areas. No Iron Dome, no IDF, no anything on the most secured, monitored, militarized, and surveilled border in the entire world. So early this morning I updated the update, <laughs> which as it turns out, God would have be about so-called conspiracy theories becoming spoiler alerts. And if you'll hear me out, I'll explain why it is and how it is that this applies to exactly what's happening in Israel, in concert with everything that's happening in the world today. Now, in order to do that, I think it would be incumbent upon me to provide you with a brief backstory and explain these paradoxical terms. We'll start with the all too familiar phrase, conspiracy theories, as it will be germane to our understanding related to not just Bible prophecy, but today's prophecy update. And here's why. Merely mentioning conspiracy theory, it comes packaged with negative connotations not to mention the ensuing and profound cognitive dissonance. And there's a reason for this. And the reason is the phrase conspiracy theory was introduced back in the 1960s by the CIA. Why? Because they wanted to cover up their conspiracy because there was a conspiracy and they conspired to assassinate the president, President Kennedy. And people were starting to uncover the conspiracy. So how do we cover up the conspiracy? 
let's make those uncovering the conspiracy seem like they're crazy conspiracy theorists. That's how. So they dubbed, coined the phrase conspiracy theory, and it was game over. So now you just dismiss everything under that label. All you have to say, even just the look on your faces. I'm sorry, I'm looking at, I'll look down when I say this. I'll probably be looking down most of the update, I don't know. But, you know, the look on your faces, conspiracy theory, the eye roll. That was pretty good, wasn't it? I've had lots of practice, trust me. <laughs> oh, oh, you're just, you're another one of those fill in the blank. <laughs> Thank you. I will. I have, I have every intention of doing so. Thank you, brother. Pictured here is a screenshot of a CIA document bearing the title Conspiracy Theory CIA with a series of numbers following. Here's a quote of the description, quoting, The 1967 dispatch states, and I quote, this trend of opinion is a matter of concern to the U.S. government, including our organization. The aim of this dispatch is to provide material, listen, countering and discrediting the claims of the conspiracy theorists so as to inhibit the circulation of such claims in other countries. What are they claiming? That the Kennedy assassination was a government conspiracy. Oh, come on. The government would never do that. Thank you for reacting that way. Still quoting, background information is supplied in a classified section and in a number of unclassified attachments to employ propaganda assets to and refute the attacks of the critics. This is in the 60s. That's what I say. I love you, Charlie. It's so good to see you, man. I, by the way, this front row, I mean, you know, you guys are great. You're in the, first of all, you're in the free water baptism row. I'm going to spit on you today in Jesus' name. Okay, where were we? Back to the update already in progress. Okay, so the, we're in the 60s. Can we go to the 80s? Consider this quote from 1981 by then CIA director William Casey, quote, We'll know our disinformation program is complete when everything the American public believes is false. (laughs) I mean, wow. Why am I starting out this way? Because all of us, myself included, must have a better understanding biblically of what a conspiracy is from a prophetic perspective. And here's the fact of the matter. Satan is conspiring against man with his evil plan 
to destroy man in the end, which is a prophetic sign of the end. Thankfully, as the prophet Isaiah prophesied about a conspiracy to destroy Jerusalem, uh, not much has changed. Like them then, we are not to fear any conspiracy now. Listen to Isaiah 8, beginning in verse 11. This is what the Lord says to me with His strong hand upon me, warning me not to follow the way of this people. Do not call conspiracy everything this people calls a conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear and do not dread it. The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to fear. He is the one you are to dread. This is the one of many throughout Scripture, the warnings against the fear of man. It's a trap. It's a snare. Fear God. (laughs) Yeah, but do you know what they're conspiring to do? Yeah, as a matter of fact, I do. Spoiler alert, it's right here. This is how it ends. You don't need to DVR it because I already, did I spoil it for you? You know how it is when, this might be outdated, but whatever. Do do people still DVR games? That's my answer. They're probably not. (laughs) You're looking at me again like that, you know. Man, you really need to get out more, Pastor. I probably do. But remember back in the day, I guess I should say, when you would DVR a game that you really wanted to watch, but you couldn't watch it live. So you'd record it. And then you would try to, you know, stay away from everybody who saw it because you didn't want them to spoil it. And invariably somebody would say something and you would hear it and it would ruin it. Man, how about them bears? You just completely ruined it for me. Now I know how the game ends. Exactly. (laughs) That's what a spoiler alert is, and that's what the Bible is. It's a spoiler alert, spoiling it in terms of how it ends. And how it ends is there's a conspiracy in the end to destroy mankind in the end, and we're in the end. I thought I would feel better after that. I don't. So we'll try that again in a moment. There are numerous conspiracies, and ultimately they fulfill Bible prophecy about this evil plot of the destruction of mankind. It is a conspiracy. And if you don't mind, I'd just like to humbly ask that you replace conspiracy theory with conspiracy truth because this is the truth. What's the truth? The truth of the satanic conspiracy on the part of those who, for various reasons, do the devil's bidding to this end, in this the time of the end. 
I would also humbly ask that we separate the CIA phrase conspiracy theory. And the reason for that is that the two words together take on a very different meaning than they do when they're separated, which is what I'd like to do, starting with this Merriam-Webster definition of the word conspiracy, which is simply the act of conspiring together. It's a conspiracy. They're conspiring. That's what the word conspiracy means. Now, listen to the definition of the word theory. This is a little bit more complicated because sadly it has seemingly changed over the years, as with many words, if you haven't noticed. They've changed the definitions of them. Well, be that as it may, this is an abbreviated and even edited definition of the word theory. A plausible offer to explain a phenomenon or hypothetical set of circumstances assumed for the sake of argument or investigation, an unproved assumption, conjecture, abstract thought, speculation. Do you see how that changes the whole complexion? As soon as you put that word theory with the word conspiracy, you change the whole complexion, the whole meaning of everything. So it's a conspiracy, but now if it's a conspiracy theory, well, then it's just speculation. You're theorizing. You're, this is conjecture. It's an unproved assumption for the sake of argument. In theory, we say, you know, theoretically, theoretically. No, it's a conspiracy. No, theoretically, no. It's a conspiracy, period. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's a conspiracy. It still didn't work. Let's move on. <laughs> I told you I only got like three hours of sleep. So let's uh, look at the definition of spoiler alert. Very simply, a reviewer's warning that a plot spoiler is about to be revealed. Oh my goodness. Can you say the book of Revelation? Right? No, right? It's, it, it, you spoiled the whole plot. You told me how it ends. It's, it, it, you reveal, oh, by the way, I know this is deeply profound. Revelation? Reveal? Here's the thing. Just let me have this one. The book of Revelation. And by the way, just for the record, it's not revelations. Just need to get that off my chest. The book of Revelation. Ooh. Do you know what the word revelation in the original language of the Greek New Testament is? Apocalypsos. Oh, yeah, that's what I was saying. It's apocalyptic. No. You know what the word apocalypsos means? Unveiling, revealing. <laughs> how it ends. Spoiler alert. 
Maybe we could call the last book of the Bible the book of, spoiler alert, instead. Okay, well, I needed to lay that foundation because now enter one Benjamin Netanyahu and his declaration that Israel is at war, not an operation, war. I want to draw your attention to this screenshot with what he said in Hebrew translated into English, and I quote, I call on all citizens of Israel to strictly obey the instructions of the army and the instructions of the home command. Now at first read, it would seem benign, for lack of a better word, inconsequential if you prefer. But upon closer examination, did you catch that word obey? Yeah. Oh, I was just obeying orders. Obey the instructions of the army? Uh, excuse me, where were they when Hamas did this? Oh, come on, pastor. There you go again. Yes, there I go again. The government would never do this to its own people. Hmm. Come on. Are you saying that the Israeli government under one Benjamin Netanyahu again, incidentally, would do this to his own people? I absolutely am. Just like I will also say emphatically that the U.S. government has and is and would at a heartbeat do this to their own people. Don't send me a tinfoil hat. There's something to that, by the way. I won't even go there. This brings me to this Moscow Times report from yesterday. It bears the title of, Russia calls for immediate ceasefire in Gaza. Um, I'm referencing this particular report for a couple of reasons, chief of which is that this breaking news report from the Moscow Times quotes Bible prophecy verbatim, literally. And here's that quote from this report, quoting, Moscow was standing by its position in favor of negotiations for the creation of an independent Palestinian state within the 1967 borders with East Jerusalem as its capital, living in peace and security with Israel. I mean, that's, that's packed with prophecy. That's uh, Zechariah 12, the first three verses, no less. That's Daniel 9.27. And it's certainly 1 Thessalonians 5.3, where the Apostle Paul, incidentally, in the context of the pre-tribulation rapture, which we're going to talk about in a moment, writes this 
prophesies this by the Holy Spirit to the church at Thessalonica, recorded in his first letter, the fifth chapter, the third verse. Listen, for when they say peace and security, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. In other words, they're going to be saying two words in particular. And when they start saying or are saying these two words, then sudden destruction, the thing about sudden destruction is it's sudden. (laughs) The destruction is sudden. And it comes upon them, them not us. And it comes upon them as a woman in labor with labor pains coming in greater frequency and intensity. And they, not us, shall not escape. But there's a delineation between they and we. Be a we. Because if you be a we, we who are alive and remain are caught up raptured up to meet the Lord in the air. So if you get nothing from today's update, just get this, be a we, not a they. Okay. Another reason I'm referring to this Moscow Times report is that I'm, stay with me on this, okay? I'm presently revisiting and rightly dividing the Word of God with respect to the well-known prophecy in Ezekiel 38, which this speaks to, by the way. And last week, was it last week? Pretty bad when I don't even remember what last week update was on. But uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, a two-state solution, which is Hitler's final solution repackaged. It's not to have peace with Israel, living in peace and security side by side with Israel. No, it's for the destruction of Israel. That's the evil plot. That's the conspiracy. So I'm revisiting everything. (laughs) Everything's back on the table. And here's why again. I think it's incumbent upon all of us, especially me in particular as a teacher of Bible prophecy, to keep everything on the table. Particularly when it comes to long-held beliefs among students and teachers of Bible prophecy. I'm learning the hard way, and I have the scars to prove it, that it's unwise to simply parrot what someone who is perceived to be in the know says and instead search the Scriptures to see what the Spirit says. If I could be so bold, what the Spirit is saying to those who have ears to hear is the pre-tribulation rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ is about to happen. Actually, this is where I'm going with all of this. 
This whole thing of dismissing an actual conspiracy under the umbrella of it being a conspiracy theory, you know what you're doing? You're playing right into Satan's hands. That's exactly what the enemy wants us to do. And by the way, one more thing before I forget concerning what is happening in Israel. You know what's lost in all of this? are the lost because of all of this, Jew and Arab. Because they're dying, if they are dying without Jesus, they are spending eternity in hell. And that's what's lost in all of this, is that these people are lost for all eternity. I think we should be oh so careful when it comes to Bible prophecy like this, because we, we tend to insulate ourselves from the reality of humanity, meaning that you know, Israel is going to crush Hamas. These are people. They're deceived. But they're people, whether Jew or Arab, that Jesus died for. So if they die without Jesus, they're lost. And that's what gets lost and things like this. My heart goes out. I mean, I know the images are graphic. That is, the images that are still, <laughs> that they haven't taken down. But those are people. It's not a uh, win and lose column in the literal sense, but it's the win and lose column in the spiritual sense. How many Israelis died while the death toll is rising? How many Arabs died? Notice I don't call them Palestinians. I, I know they're called Palestinians, but they're not Palestinians. They're Arabs. And how many Arabs have died? Oh, so the score is 300 to 200. Israel's losing. Or the score is 500 to 300. Israel's winning. Get up. No. I hope you hear my heart on that. And don't get caught up in that. But every time we by the lie, if I can say it like that, this lie of a so-called conspiracy theory, which is actually a spoiler alert, which is actually warning us of an evil plot that's about to be revealed. Again, just bear with me. This is why I never refer 
to the pre-tribulation rapture as a theory. It's not a theory. It's sound doctrine. Oh, you're the, you're one, you, you're, you, you're the pre-trib rapture theory. Don't say that to me, because <laughs> my sanctification will flee from me. I'll just repent later, you know. It's not a theory, it's doctrine, sound doctrine. Sadly, anyone who dares to teach on or talk about the sound doctrine of the pre-tribulation rapture is met with mocking ridicule, and worse yet, oh, they're date setting. As you may know, I addressed this in prior updates, the most recent of which was last week, actually, when I asked for prayer concerning the addressing of it again this week. I did in light of the developments in Israel, though, make the decision not to do that and to just briefly talk about it in lieu of devoting an entire update to it. But it does need to be talked about, because this is very important. And I'll, I'll um, try my best to uh, explain why it's so important. So I, I can't listen to someone teaching Bible prophecy if they don't believe the sound doctrine of the pre-tribulation rapture, because everything now is skewed. You don't have any anchor. So everything now has to be uh, sort of uh, twisted in order to dance around the sound doctrine of the pre-tribulation rapture. And that's when you get into a lot of trouble. That's when you get into things like replacement theology, where the church replaces Israel as God's elect. Well, you have to, if the rapture is not before the seven-year tribulation, because the purpose of the tribulation is for the salvation of the Jewish nation. So if the church replaces Israel, then the church has to go through the tribulation. I see how you have to do that. It's just like with any lie, you have to be really good at it to keep the lie alive. You got to keep lying. Am I right? So the thing with false doctrine or false teaching is in order to facilitate it and keep it on life support, you have to also, you know, have all of these other things be adjusted in order to support this false teaching. So as a kid, example, this is no extra charge, by the way, as a kid, uh, you get caught in a lie. Uh, my mom used to give me $3.75, which was what it cost at the time to get a haircut. Oh, what I would do to have hair to have cut, but $3.75, and she would give it because she, she owned, we owned a, a restaurant. She would give it to me a quarter. She should have never done that, because those quarters go into pinball machines. <laughs> so she'd give me the $3.75 to go get a haircut. I did not get a haircut. I got really good at pinball, though. And I would come home, and I'm thinking, okay, now I've got to make my hair look like I got it cut. And then she would look at me and go, did you get a haircut? 
Yeah, lie number one. Okay, now I'm committed. So now I've got to keep this thing alive. So now she's going to follow up. And she said, what time did you, lie number two, uh, did you uh, talk with so-and-so, lie number three? And then they find out that you didn't and you're outed, and, but you've had to keep that thing going. And in order to keep that thing going, which is false, you've got to adjust everything else around it. Otherwise, it doesn't work. And that's the same thing with, when it comes to teaching and studying Bible prophecy. <laughs> you're, you're, you have to, you, you have no choice. You, if, if you do not believe the sound doctrine of the pre-tribulation rapture, then you've got some serious problems when you start trying to interpret Bible prophecy, because you've got a lot of issues you've got to deal with. Man, you've got issues <laughs> that you're going to have to deal with. Because how are you going to deal with this or that? Or what about that or this or that? So then you have to keep coming up with new stuff in order to support it. And it gets so thin after a while. That's why it's so important. And that's why I'm so dogmatic about it. Well, pastor, why can't you just be like all the other pastors? <laughs> Uh, my pastor's pan-trib. Pan-trib? What's that? Oh, he just thinks it's all going to pan out. Wow. How's that working out? Man, if it weren't for the sound doctrine of the pre-tribulation rapture, I, this is not hyperbole. This is literally, I would go out of my mind. You take that from me? The blessed hope that at any time that trumpet could sound, and I'm out of here. I'm out of here. You take that away from me, and you say, no. we got to have the first three and a half years, or pre-wrath, or how about the post-toasty view, you know? <laughs> I'm sorry, that was mean, actually. Post-tribulation, that, come on. I, well, then I'm, I'm sorry, but the Apostle Paul was really cruel when he wrote to the Thessalonians about the rapture and said, therefore encourage one another with these words. You're going to go through literal hell on earth, probably won't survive. You might be beheaded if you, you know, reject the mark of the beast. And you're going to see, I mean, just unthinkable horror, unspeakable horror for a period of seven years, and uh, be encouraged. <laughs> really? Well, that's why it is so important. So we got to talk about this, okay? Can we talk about this just real quick? Actually, I'm not going to talk about this. I'm going to let others talk about this those who were thoughtful enough to share some very kind words in this regard. So what follows is some of what these brothers and sisters in Christ wrote about concerning our excitement that we could be raptured any time now, now, now. 
Let me just preface it this way. This is in the context of anyone anticipating the rapture at any time being falsely accused of being a date setter. I mean, just like being labeled a conspiracy theorist. I mean, you start getting excited about the preacher of rapture. You're a, not all, only are you a conspiracy theorist, you're a date setter. Wow. I just want Jesus to come back. I'm going to start. <laughs> I'm going to start. I need to get more sleep, right? I'm going to start with an email from Karen Broom. She's one of the transcribers on our amazing teams. I mean, these people are amazing, these servants that transcribe and translate the teachings. Great are their treasures in heaven, by the way. But this is in response to my request for the transcripts of prior updates, just to be sure that I wasn't inadvertently setting dates, which I was not. And she responded with a most encouraging word and a beautiful illustration. Here's what she so eloquently wrote. Consider an impending wedding that we know is going to happen one day, but we just aren't sure when yet. There's this couple, you know, this couple, this awesome couple. They have been dating a long, long, long time, 2,000 years. <laughs> we know he loves her and she loves him. She talks about him all the time drives her old friends crazy. The one she had before she met him. Now, after they were engaged, he said he had to go. What? Well, he said he was going to build a home for her. He promised her John 14, 3. He's been away for a while now. Some of her friends, those from the old life and even from her new life, think she is crazy to wait for him for so long. But she knows, she knows. He loves her. He has done so much for her and she trusts him implicitly. She loves him so much that she sneaks off to her closet sometimes just to be alone and pray for him to return soon. Sometimes she even senses she is talking directly to him like in secret. She's romantic like that. She knows that this time with him alone in her thoughts and heart is so special. She would never do it in public. <laughs> it takes the joy out of it. She knows he will come just as soon as that last picture is hung and the last window has been cleaned and the crystal is clear. Well, those friends that think she is crazy, they are sick of hearing about this. It's been 2,000 years. On and on she talks about him, giddy almost, with longing for him. At first they just disliked it, this rambling on and on and on. Now they're over it. And yet, no matter what, and I think it must be that woman's intuition, she just can still sense it is getting closer, almost like it is deep within her. He is coming soon. She can feel it. 
He is on her mind constantly these days. There are days when she thinks about the old days, the days before she met him, but she sees those friends she had. She sees their craziness. And she thinks to herself, maybe he is coming so very soon. Otherwise, why would they be acting so crazy? Do they know something that she doesn't? Hmm. She goes on to say, all of that, JD, to say this, who wouldn't want to talk about these things? Hope that it is this day or that day. And half the fun of getting something is the anticipation and discussion about it, at least from a woman's point of view. I know nothing of that. Keep preaching the Word. Keep telling us to look up. It gives us hope. Shout from the rooftops, Pastor. I'm listening for sure. Karen. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Here's a post on social media that I think really speaks to the heart of the matter. She says, I really appreciate this message at this time. She's referring to a previous update. I have many weighty things to deal with. And just last night, a group of people calling themselves Christian decided it was time to trash everyone who believes in the pre-tribulation rapture. They were pretty mean and arrogant and prideful. And it was like that last straw, which was actually the title of my update, to just break my heart and discourage me. This sermon raised my hope again and gave me the encouragement I need to keep looking up and looking for my Jesus. Thank you. And thank you, Lord, for this timely message. Lastly, this one comes from Tyler of the Generation 2434 YouTube channel, who wrote this in a couple of his emails to me. This first one I, I want to share. This one really blessed my heart. Listen, listen to this. What father's heart wouldn't be warm to know his children were running to the window every time they thought they heard a noise? Oh, yes, that, was my, that was my response. My sister and I have one sibling. I think God said that the only one that this, you know, when we were just little kids, we would wait by the window, hunched over the sofa, peering through the curtains, waiting for mommy to come home because she had food. But yeah, yeah. So every time a car drove by, it's like, she's not, it's not her. Oh. Let her sound up. No, not her. Oh, I do that. I do that every time. Oh, oh. In a subsequent email, he had this to say. This is really good. Many say Jesus can come any day. So one could easily ask them, are you saying the rapture could be today? To which they would very likely reply, yes. Then one could say, you're a date setter because you say it could be today. <laughs> they would likely reply, no, I'm not saying that it is today. I'm only saying it could be today, to which I would then reply, exactly. That's what we're doing. When we look at and get excited around certain times and events, we are not setting a date. 
We're just looking at scripture and getting excited by what we see. And by the way, this was before Saturday in Israel. Many of these same types, in quotations, say something like, if anyone guessed the day, then God would change it just so they'd be wrong. Well, my question would then be, if you say it could be any day now, then you're essentially saying the rapture can never happen because you're literally guessing every day. I, please just nod your head that you're getting this, okay? I know I have the benefit of having read this many times. He continues, to me, the only logical and honest approach is to look up every day, realizing that we are there. This is it. Jesus is coming. It is entirely appropriate now to be getting excited. If only, now listen to this, better someone else than me say this, if only they would quit wasting their time pointing their fingers at their brothers and instead take those fingers and point people to Jesus. Wow, couldn't have said it better myself. I better leave that one there. <laughs> oh man, you guys know me way too well. No, 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 stop. I'm not going to do it. Oh, I know that what dwells in me, that is within my flesh, there dwelleth no good thing. Okay. For those asking how this ties into today's update about conspiracy theories becoming spoiler alerts, can I just sum it up? Some of you are saying, will you please? The pre-tribulation rapture doctrine, not theory, is just one of many spoiler alerts, warning us of that which is about to be revealed in His appearing, not His coming, His appearing in the rapture. If you'll kindly allow me to, I want to spend the remainder of our time together on this, but we're going to go ahead at this time and end the live stream on YouTube and Facebook. And hopefully you're already at the website. I'll proceed with the presupposition that you're in agreement with this statement. And if you're not, that's okay. You have every right to be wrong. No, I did. <laughs> Again, three hours of sleep. That's my story. I'm sticking with it. Maybe better said more lovingly, let's just agree to disagree agreeably, shall we? But do you agree that COVID-19 was and even now is the greatest conspiracy slash spoiler alert in history. All right. Well, let's just close in prayer then. I guess there's... Wait a minute, Pastor. Let me see if I got this straight. So uh, you're giving me whiplash going from the prophetic significance unprecedented prophetic significance of what's happening in Israel. And you want to talk about COVID again? Yeah. 
It's exactly what I want to do. Why, pray tell? I'm glad you asked. Never, ever, ever forget that Israel, under one Benjamin Netanyahu, was first and foremost in bed with Pfizer. Never forget that. Never forget that. Oh, the government would never do that to their own people. Okay. Okay. Man, you guys, you just come up here and do the rest of it, because you're doing better than I am up here. Yeah, I'm just going to show you this screenshot, actually a couple of them. This is from the European Commission website on identifying conspiracy theories. Um, this is very thorough, I have to confess, and it includes really elaborate infographics under the heading stating, and I quote, be warned, the COVID-19 pandemic has seen a rise in harmful and misleading conspiracy theories. <laughs> it may be difficult to recognize them or know how best to deal with them. Well, apparently they're going to provide us with the necessary uh, tools in order to identify these conspiracy theories. Yeah. And they provide what I'm sure they deem to be helpful information to not only recognize conspiracy theories, but to also provide information on, and I'm quoting, by the way, pre-bunking and debunking conspiracy theories. Wow. Pre-bunking? I actually did not know that was even a thing. I know debunk, but pre-bunk? <laughs> wow, that's, that's good. That's impressive. But they're going to pre-bunk and debunk the conspiracy theory stating that, and I quote, stopping the spread hmm, of conspiracy theories is challenging. Wait, what? We're stopping the spread of conspiracy theories? Two? Listen to how they explain it. Uncertainty, fear, and the complexity of the COVID-19 pandemic have fueled related conspiracy theories. They attempt to explain why the pandemic happened and who is benefiting from it. Oh, no. Again, this is a most elaborate website that reminds me of that famous line in the William Shakespeare play Hamlet, the lady doth protest that too much methinks. And one need look no further than to the titles on some of these infographics that I have pictured here. Titles like, and I quote, concrete counteractions against conspiracy theories. I mean, these are very detailed. I mean, step by step. They say this, you say that. How about this one? Conspiracy theories can be dangerous. <gasps> oh no, fear, fear, fear. By the way, this is satanic ritual abuse. Isolate and fill with fear. It's, it's textbook. 
satanic ritual abuse. Um, how about this one? These are the titles of very detailed infographics, very well done, you know, their layouts, very uh, thorough in their content. Quote, how to talk to somebody who firmly believes in conspiracy theories. <laughs> they have a script. This is what you're supposed to say to somebody who believes in a conspiracy theory specific to COVID-19 and the so-called vaccine. This is the script. I mean, I just, oh. let me see if I can bring this in for a landing. What if I told you the entirety of the pages of Holy Writ is actually a spoiler alert prophetically, vis-a-vis -a, -vis a conspiracy satanically? Can I tell you how I get there? It all began in Genesis with God's creation of man, the fall into sin by man, and God's redemptive plan for man, which is the spoiler alert. Enter Satan's conspiracy to destroy God's creation of man, which is the conspiracy truth. He's conspiring. The enemy is conspiring because he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And <laughs> it's a conspiracy truth. And we, we know how it ends because we have the spoiler alert right here. We were already told of this evil plot and how this all ends. And by the way, it ends very good for us. Yeah. Let me just say it this way. The entirety of Scripture is actually a spoiler alert prophetically that warns us of the plot and how it ends, which is in the end that of an evil satanic conspiracy. In other words, spoiler alert, it all ends with Satan's failed conspiracy, an evil plot of complete destruction, but God brings about the salvation of many in the end, which is why we know this, how this will end, and perhaps more importantly, that this is the end. Can I just say it one more time? I'm going to. The end is not near. The end is here. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Um, it's not just a spoiler alert about the end of the world. It's also the plan of salvation by the Savior of the world. And that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is, what is the gospel? Very simple. Gospel means good news. Jesus died for you. He was buried. He rose again. And He's coming back again for you soon and very soon. Good news. That's what the word gospel is. That's what the gospel is. It's the good news of salvation. 
found in the person of Jesus Christ. What about these ABCs that you do every week and have been doing for years now? Yeah, I'm kind of romantic like that. <laughs> I still like that. That's so good. It's just a simple explanation of the plan of salvation. The A is for just admit or acknowledge that you've sinned. Because unless and until you and I do, why would we have any interest in the Savior? Romans 3.10 says, there is no one righteous, not even one. No one's good. You might be good. You'll never be good enough. And Romans 3.23 tells us why. It's because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all missed the mark, God's perfect standard of righteousness. We've all broken His law, transgressed. We've all sinned. We were all born sinners, which is why we must be born again in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. And Romans 6.23, uh, I like it because it starts with the bad news first, and then it offers the good news. Uh, I haven't used this one in a while, so I'm, I'm going to use it now. This is for the benefit of the new people uh, who maybe have never heard it. This is just for you, especially for you. Again, no extra charge. The, <laughs> the badder the bad news is, the gooder the good news will be. And that's what Romans 6.23 says. What's the bad news? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Bad news first is really bad. The badder the bad news is, the gooder the good news will be. So I've just been sentenced to death, yeah. Bad news. You ready for the good news? Yes. Well, Someone's going to go in your place to your death in your stead with His bloodshed for you because of His love for you. Good news. And He's going to purchase you and purchase for you the gift of eternal life. It's going to cost Him everything. He'll pay for it in full. And then He's going to offer you the gift of eternal life. That's really good news. That's what the gospel is. What's the B? Ah, very central and very actually simple, central and simple. It's even simpler than ABC. It's as simple as B. So now we got to be a we with a B. Yeah, we can have that. That works. Just say, yeah, that works. Believe in your heart. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe. Oh, come on. That's so, that's so simple. It's too simple. It's childlike simple. Jesus said, unless you become like a child, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. I, why do we complicate the gospel? Why, why do we? It's so simple. It's so beautiful. It's, it's so simple. It's childlike simple, and we complicate it. We've rewritten John 3.16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever joins the church, becomes a member, goes through a 12-week course. I mean, I'll keep going if you want, but you already know that, that one, right? Romans 10.9 says, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. If you believe, believe, put your trust in. 
your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And then what comes as a result of that, an expression from that is the confession with your mouth, the calling upon the name of the Lord, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You believe in your heart, guess what? It coming out of your mouth. Romans 10, 9 also says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And Romans 10, 13, lastly, and I want you to pay particular attention to this, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I mean, come on. That's a good deal. I'm sorry if that's crass. But I mean, you're being offered a life, eternal life assurance policy for free. <laughs> was that, that was too much, wasn't it? I probably should have stopped at the... Good news. Good news. Wait, I don't have to pay anything? No. There's no premiums? No, he paid them in full. I have an eternal life assurance policy for when I die or the rapture happens first, which, oh, I thought I heard something. Yeah. And it's a gift. It's been gifted to me. Yeah. Who paid for the gift? Jesus did. Wow. I chose today's But God testimony actually for this reason, because it's about the ABCs of salvation. It comes from John DeGraw. It's very moving. And it's just a testimony that he wanted to share with us, that I want to share with you, about him sharing Jesus with someone. He writes, Pastor J.D., I was in a nursing home for the past four months. I couldn't walk. I met the therapy person that God put on my heart to tell about Jesus. She in large part has me walking with a walker. I told her I plan on seeing her in heaven. I told her to look me up. I shared with her your prophecy update, where you talk about and explain the ABCs of salvation. She sat and watched you go over them patiently. I don't know how to take that, uh, patiently, like I told her I love her and I want to see her in heaven. She's much younger than I am and I have cancer, so I'll die before she will, unless the rapture happens first. Pastor J.D., Without seeing you go over the ABCs of salvation, I would have had trouble doing this on my own. So thank you. Capono, come on up. Why don't you stand up before I tear up. And, uh, thank you, Lord, so much for the simplicity of the gospel, the gift of eternal life. Lord, thank you for the blessed hope. 
of the rapture at any time. Oh, Lord. What would we do were it not for you and what you did for us instead of us? Jesus, we love you. We love you. We long for you. We look for you. We ache for you and your soon return for us. Jesus, come quickly. Maranatha. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'd rather have Jesus than man's applause. Yes, I'd rather be faithful to his dear cause. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. Yes, I'd rather be true to his holy name than to be the king of a vast domain and be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. Than to be a king, than to be the king of a vast domain and be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. This world affords today. And this world affords today. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you.